you don't know what somebody's going through until you go through it. And I think we're all seeing a lot of that situation right now. This is The Fit Mess with Zach and Jeremy. Well, from our basement in Seattle and New York, respectively, it's The Fit Mess. Uh, I'm Jeremy. He's Zach. What's up, everyone? And this, uh, this is weird. You know, I used to, I did another podcast for a really long time. And uh, for many years, I did it in the same part of my house where I'm doing this one now. Um, and it's weird being back here. We're doing it this way again. Uh, it's weird that I'm not supposed to go outside. It's weird that nobody's supposed to go outside. And everywhere I look, there are people outside. <laughs> yes, I, uh, there are. I don't. I don't really know what to make of it. I mean, I know the odds of uh, of getting the big CV uh, while you're outside are are much lower than if you're all cooped up in the same place. But uh, it is the it is the weirdest thing the way that America has reacted to being told to stay home. Everyone can't get outside fast enough. I know it's crazy. I. Even myself, after like two days, I was just like, I want to, I need a DIY project. I need to go to Home Depot. I like, it's an essential store, so I can go get a project. Right. It's like, no, dude, no, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Well, that's, you know, I, I loaded my kids up in the car and went to uh, a a trail, a nearby trail, like just to go get outside. We're still in isolation, so it's still fine. But there are tons of people there. It's so weird how we can't uh, follow these directions when normally all we do is go to work, go home, stare at our phones, mm-hmm. sleep, repeat. Like if we if we did what we normally do, uh, I think, you know, the vast majority of what we normally do, we would be fine. It's all the things that it's all the I got to go to Target. I got to go to the store. I got to go to the baseball game. I got like all the things we do. Aside from work and home, if we just cut those out, but still did everything else, I don't know. I, I guess we wouldn't be fine because then we'd be at work with our coworkers. That's that's I'm I'm losing my mind. I'm I'm alone in my house, <laughs> and I can't do the math anymore. No, it's uh, we're losing it for sure. The the on the on the flip side of it though, it is interesting that like I'm finding that all of those trips that I needed to take, all of those things that I did all the time, I'm like, I'm good for the most part with a weekly grocery trip. Like, yeah. I'm, o- I'm okay with it. And I've got enough to do here. And, it, and you know, granted, I want to be outside. But I don't need all that other shit. The like, things, yeah, the things that we considered necessities were really just things we were doing to, to busy ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like we, one of the first things we did, I think it was before the official stay at home order was in place, but it was kind of this general, Hey, it's best if everyone stay home and not go anywhere. The first thing we did is we went to target. <laughs> we took the kids and we went to target and we were there for like four hours. <laughs> Just soaking it all in. Cause Just you know, like, you're never going back. Yeah. I mean, it was like, we had to get some stuff at the pharmacy there and you know, all the toilet paper was gone. So that was a lost cause. Uh, I had to print some photos, you know, like all this stuff that like we were on the verge of a pandemic and and you're printing photos and we're at Target. And I and I knew at the time I was like, this doesn't seem like what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Yeah. But but I didn't really know what else to do. And so I don't know. It's just it's been a very strange thing. 
Um, over the weekend, I had the strangest experience. I don't, I don't know if I've ever had like a, like clinically a full blown, um, panic attack before I, I have plenty of family members have, uh, but I, I literally woke up in the middle of one. Like I woke up, my heart was racing. My mind was immediately racing as though I had been thinking about all of these things at, at the same time. Like I, everything, every part of my system felt out of control and it was super scary. Like I was, I was, you know, I, I live in a very modest, small house in Seattle. I have two young daughters and maybe it's just being here so much, but everything feels smaller because I'm here constantly. And I was immediately projecting into the future, like 10, 15 years with four full grown adults living in this house and everything just got more and more claustrophobic. And I just was starting to really freak out. Like I, I wanted to just go back to bed cause it was way earlier than I should have gotten up. And, uh, and I couldn't. And so I just started thinking, okay, I, this is clearly energy that needs to be used in another way. Uh, I'll do something I haven't done in decades. I'll go for a run. So threw my shoes on literally out, just ran out in the cold, went for a run for like a half an hour. And then well, I got like home two o'clock in the morning. Uh, it was like six o'clock in the morning. Okay. And, uh, so I did that, got home and then I just sat in the cold to just try and feel something else for a while. And then to warm up, I jumped in our little hot tub that we have in the backyard and, uh, and just tried to relax that way. And I was by like 9am, I was physically and emotionally and mentally done. I just was wiped out. I had nothing left. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was unlike anything I've ever uh, experience was so so strange and it just it got me thinking about how we're we're all in this just crazy survival mode that i don't think any of us have have been in uh other i mean i think 9 11 is, is the only other situation i could think of that was anything like this yeah but that was i mean that was not to be insensitive but that was quickly over right you know, something happened and within a week, I mean, it was safe to go out a week later, but, um, man, yeah. Well, and, and that it's was crazy. something that you, you could, you could point to and go, that was caused by that where this it's, it is this invisible thing and you have no idea how to avoid it. Yeah. And, and then you get super scared because you know, the social distancing is stay six feet apart. And there's a, I read a study today about how, um, sneezes and the, the droplets virus pack droplets can actually travel like 22 feet. Right. It's like, well, now wait, um, we're all going to die. Oh my God. Well, and, we're all going to die. And asi- aside from that, at one point it was, Oh, only the, the elderly and people with hi- other high risk situations. No, now it's everybody for a while. It was, Oh, only if it's on a surface that you touch and then you touch your face. No, now it's anybody can get it anywhere, anytime. And we still don't know how, like it, it seems to be, it seems to be airborne. It seems to be everywhere. So how do you avoid something that you can't, you can't, you can't avoid it. It's, it's just out there and you're either going to get it or you're not. And there's not a lot you can do about it. Yeah. I've just taken to becoming a hermit and I'm actually coming to like it a lot. <laughs> it is weird being, uh, being home as much as I have been, but but it is good. It's, you know, uh, the work-life balance is really nice because I 
you know, in the, in the middle of my workday, rather than having small talk with somebody in the office, uh, I can go check in with my kids, check in with my wife, you know, not go spend 15 bucks on lunch. I can run upstairs and, and make food here. Like there's, there's so many benefits. The, the amount of money we're saving, uh, by not, you know, leaving the house is pretty remarkable. I know. Are you guys going to stick with that habit when this is all lifted? You know, I, I, I'm trying really hard to not worry about when this is all lifted because I don't know what, what the world's going to look like on the other side of this. Oh, it's uh, going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be horrific. It really is. In what way? What do you, what do you mean by that? I just, I mean, just watching, watching this, the, you know, it's a capitalistic society and just watching how the dominoes are going to fall from a, a, an economic standpoint. And it, it just really makes me angry, like hearing, you know, some of the, the governors of certain states saying we need to get everyone back to work at some point, you know, the, right. the, um, you know, like what we're doing to the economy is worse than what the disease does. Like, no, no, that that's just not the right way to look at this. Right. But I mean, but but I totally agree. I mean, this is going to flush the economy down the toilet. Like, I I, I don't think the stock market is done falling. Um, it's just gonna it's gonna be atrocious when this is over. And, and I don't know even what that looks like. I don't know if we're going to get to a point where it's, where it's such dire straits that they, uh, I've, I've heard speculation that one way to, to stimulate the economy is to just wipe out all consumer debt. I mean, I, I can't imagine a world where someone just goes, Oh, you don't owe those thousands of dollars anymore. Please go out and rack up more debt by buying more stuff. But maybe that's what they'll need to do because if we're, if people are locked in their homes and not allowed to work for months or a year or two, I don't, I don't know how, how anything like what we had before comes back. Yeah. No, it would take, it would take decades to rebuild that house of cards. Yeah. And, and what a seemingly fragile house of cards it was. Yes, it was. I, I was, there's a, a Facebook group that I follow called, um, it's called choose five. It's about living, you know, like financial independent and things like that. And there's some people that are a month ago, you'd be like, Oh my gosh, you have 10 vacation rentals and you are just living the dream. Like, you know, they were paying their, their mortgage on the vacation rental with, um, you know, money that was coming in on the rental. And now they're about to default on 10 mortgages because they can't pay them because nobody's staying there. Right. And they were just, you know, like in that much debt, that a few weeks of nobody staying at their houses and they're about to go under. Yeah. Like, was it, what was the entire economy just like at that ledge and just this little tiny thing pushed it over? Yes. And, and imagine how many just private people that's this when, when, when I can't remember what the statistics are, but a huge majority, maybe not majority, a huge number of people in this country live paycheck to paycheck. Mm hmm. And when one goes away or two, they're, they're done. They're wiped out. They're out of their homes. They're, I mean, fortunately, there's already lots of talk about protecting people's, you know, they can't be evicted and, and things like that. So, I mean, there, there are some safeguards that are being at least discussed if they're not already in place. But it's, it's just so alarming how fragile this, you know, superpower has been 
that you know a virus threatens to topple it it's it's unbelievable yeah but even going back to your point of protections in place so people can't be evicted but those people who own the buildings that they can't be evicted from are up to their eyeballs in debt yeah. and can't go a month without those rent checks coming in and are going to default on their mortgages and lose the place. Right. And those people are going to go homeless anyway. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's kind of fucked up right now. <laughs> it kind of is. And that's what I mean. I don't, I, is it going to be just Mad Max beyond Thunderdome after this? <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's going to happen? So, you know, thinking about what is my grocery budget going to look like? <sighs> I don't know what society is going to look like. So yeah. uh, I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's uh, it's uh, everything's out of control. And and, and uh, that explains why I had one panic attack the other day, started to have another one today. Um, so if, if you, any of this is resonating with you, the listener, we're all in this together. What that means, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I do love seeing the stories of people stepping up and helping each other and all the various ways that that's happening. Um, and, and so much of, of what we do here is, you know, when, when we can't offer a solution, when there is no uh, superhero to take over the, the villain or whatever, um, we do try to just offer that voice that uh, is in it with you, that is, that is in the fight with you. And uh, our guest this week, Healing Jess, she uh, battles chronic illness and has lived uh, in the way that we're all now trying to adapt to for a few years now. And I just think that that is a perspective that a lot of us aren't hearing. We keep hearing about those that are vulnerable, uh, those that are high risk. She's in that category, but she's vulnerable and high risk to many other things. And so I just think that her perspective is one that is that is valuable. Uh, we're not sharing her story to make you feel worse about your whining about being, you know, quote, stuck in your house it's not about making you feel bad, but it's about just sort of sharing that this is something that lots and lots and lots of people in our in our uh, country, our world, uh, live with all of the time. Is this fear of I can't participate in the things that everybody else does because of what it could do to my health? And so I just uh, I'm really glad that that she reached out and that we get to share uh, our conversation that we had with her. And we had this conversation, by the way, just a couple of days after all this stuff really started to hit the fan. So I read this the other day. Uh, you posted this on Instagram shortly after we had uh, set up this time to chat. And it, here's what you said. I found this really interesting. And it's just a, a, a perspective that I don't know that we're hearing enough of as we deal with this coronavirus uh, COVID-19 crisis. Uh, but you wrote, mm -hmm. they are letting you work from home while we've been losing jobs for asking for the same. They tell you not to leave your house unless mandatory. We've been doing this for years. You're going insane from being cooped up. We get gaslighted when we explain our depression. You were wearing masks and gloves to, in public to protect yourself from one virus. We do this to protect ourselves from all toxins, chemicals, perfumes, mold, viruses, and bacteria. You are having to cancel travel plans. We haven't been able to make travel plans. You are spending hundreds on supplements and medications to keep your immune system strong and will be spending this for the rest of our lives. In a few weeks or months, most of you will go back to your regular lives. We won't, and will once again be stripped of the accommodations. I just found that so powerful. Uh, while I've been, you know, complaining at home on you know day three of having to homeschool my kids and not really being able to go out and do much, uh, that that's a powerful perspective. Can you talk a little bit more about sort of what what your life is like now and and 
if it has changed really because of the coronavirus? Yeah, so I mean, I always like to start off by saying, you know, I post things like that, but I don't I don't really like to make anybody feel it's not meant to make people feel bad, you know, for the way that they're reacting because I know that you're nobody expected this to hit us, right? Nobody expected to not be able to leave their house and to not be able to go to work and um so people don't really know how to go about it and they get really nervous and really scared and that just like it really resonated with me because I didn't expect to get ill when I got ill. You know, my life was going as planned and all of that hit me and everything had to change for me. And I remember getting upset about not being able to go to the store without a mask on or, you know, not being able to go on a trip that my friends were going on. And it was just almost like this whole coronavirus thing brought up a lot of like old wounds for me that I had gone through three years ago. And so that's kind of where the post came about is I was sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm like, all of these things that all of these people are, you know, in lack for a better word, freaking out about (laughs) right now on social media are all things that I haven't been able to do for years now. And it's all stuff that's almost so normal for me. And so it's just, it's just a reminder that I I don't know the best way to put it. Just a reminder that like you need to be more grateful for mm-hmm. what you have mm-hmm. when you have it. Honestly, yeah, absolutely. That's that's something that um, you know my wife and, and kids and I have really noticed. Just driving around town, we we had to get out of the house the other day, um, so we had mm-hmm. some things to to drop off at some friends. Had to get a few supplies, and just driving around, it was it was the weirdest thing. It was like it was the eighties because. The parks were full of kids like running around skateboarding. People were out walking their dogs. And and it's partially, you know, you, you live in Seattle. You know what it's like here. But when the sun comes out, all of a sudden everybody comes out. Um, but oh, I think yeah. everyone was cooped up. And it was it was just like this time machine where all of a sudden, like, neighbors were outside. Kids were outside playing. It was, it's been really strange to see how how quickly we have sort of turned back to each other and, and, mm-hmm. and hopefully away from screens and, and whatever it is that, that we normally distract ourselves with. Um, but, but I'm really hoping that this ends up being kind of a wake up call for, for a lot of people. And definitely that's, I, that's my biggest hope too, is that people can kind of just see like, Hey, there's all of these things, especially that people with chronic illness that aren't able to do all the time. Now I'm not able to do th- do those things like okay, I definitely feel for you a little bit more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about your illness. What What is the condition that, that you live with every day uh, that, that makes you even more susceptible to what's going on right now? So I was diagnosed with um, kind of a couple things. I was diagnosed with mold toxicity, um, mast cell activation syndrome, and multiple chronic tick-borne illness. So when I say multiple chronic tick-borne illness, most people have heard of Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease. Lyme disease is actually one strain of tick-borne illness. So there's actually, I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say up to about 25 different strains of tick-borne illness that you can get. Mm. And I have three different strains. So that kind of puts it into a little bit more perspective because people only really hear about Lyme just because it has the more easy name <laughs> right. to kind of hold on to. 
So that, that's what I was diagnosed with about almost three years ago now. And what happened, you know, what, what was your life like before and then what changed? Did it all come on at once or was this a slow progression? How did, how did that happen to you? So it was all very fast. Um, I was working full time as a project manager in construction and I was living with my ex-boyfriend at the time. We, you know, I was kind of at the point in my life where I was like doing all of the things exactly that I had wanted to be doing. I had like my career that was also my passion. I was in a serious relationship, you know, thinking about taking the next step, planning my future. I was doing all of these things. And um, it was kind of an eerie feeling because I was right where I thought I wanted it to be. But I also like still felt like something wasn't right in my life. And I didn't really know what it was at that time. And I, for a few years, kind of had this feeling like, okay, I don't, I don't, something doesn't feel right. I feel like I don't feel 100%. But I never really, nothing was ever serious enough to where I ever looked into anything. You know, like I just would get tired every now and then and have, I don't know, I would have panic attacks every now and then but you know everybody kind of tells you that that's normal especially when you're under stress mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't until I actually was living in a place with my ex-boyfriend that had black mold and we didn't know at the time that it did we lived there for two and a half years and what happened was the mold was like slowly breaking down my immune system mm. and what happened was it finally broke down my immune system enough to where I ended up catching the flu. It was, you know, flu season of one, I think it was end of 2017, caught the flu that turned into pneumonia. And then from that point forward, I never really got better. I just felt like crap all the time. And then I started getting like severe allergic reactions to everything. So I could eat something and my mouth would go tingly my whole body would break out in hives um you know I would have like the worst stomach ache and or I would burn a candle and I would go almost anaphylactic from just smelling a candle in my my house and I would brush my teeth and my lips would swell like I got punched in the face it was just all from that point forward it was everything that I ingested or inhaled sent me into an allergic reaction. Oh my so God. at that point, there was like, I couldn't ignore it anymore, obviously. Yeah. And I was obviously under a lot of stress at that time period in my life, too. Um, and so I felt like anybody I sort of reached out to at that moment was very like, oh, you know, you'll be okay. You're just stressed, <laughs> like things like that. So I never really... I don't know, it kind of stopped me from really pursuing it. Um, But the allergic reactions, they wouldn't stop. So I, you know, went to a doctor, tried to figure out what was wrong. I ended up tying it to mold toxicity, that that could be a possibility. um, Because that can, I guess, spark immense allergic reactions to everything. So I straight up just moved out of the place I was living. I didn't even have it tested yet. I was just convinced that, you know... That has to be this place I'm living in. Moved out of there and moved back in with my parents to a clean home. I still was experiencing a lot of issues. So at that point, 
I was, I'd seen a few conventional medicine doctors and they were basically like just throwing their hands up, like, we don't know what's wrong with you type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, here, just keep taking all of these prescriptions. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm not doing that. That's not, you know. In our, in our healthcare system, that's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I know enough about prescriptions to know that they might fix one thing, but they're going to cause a lot of other issues. Mm-hmm. So I was on, you know, I wanted to go the naturopathic route at that point. I was very, very confused about what to do because the doctors were confused. And so that was when I actually started sharing my own story on social media. And I started out by searching, just literally just searching hashtags of mold toxicity and finding other people that were posting about it and like asking them questions and finding out if what I was going through was similar to what they were going through. And that led me to all sorts of things and eventually led me to, hey, there might be an underlying issue as to why mold toxicity affected me so bad. Because like I said, I was living with my ex-boyfriend at the time. He was not sick. He was perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And so nobody believed me that it was mold toxicity because, well, if it made you sick, why didn't it make him sick kind of thing. And so I just kept connecting with people. I was like, okay, there has to be an underlying issue then as to why this affected me so bad and didn't affect him. And that's when I came up with the possibility that maybe I had chronic Lyme disease because a lot of the people dealing with mold toxicity were dealing with chronic Lyme disease. So I straight up gave a big F you to all my doctors I was seeing Mm -hmm. and sought out a Lyme literate doctor in Seattle and just basically told her my story and asked her to test me. And long story short, after going through some tests, I ended up being right <laughs> by my intuition of that, that being wrong with me. So it was kind of a, it took 10 months of seeing doctors and trying to figure it out before I actually nailed down what was going on. So forgive my ignorance here, but how, how does one get Lyme disease? So they say it's from a tick bite, but what I've also come to learn is that there's a few bugs that carry it now. It's fleas, spiders, mosquitoes, and ticks. Ah, no shortage of any of those uh, in Seattle. Yeah, and the other crazy part to it is people are like, well, everybody gets bit by bugs all the time, right? Well, the crazy thing about tick-borne illness is that you can actually have it and it can lay dormant in your body for a very long time. And it can actually lay dormant for your whole life. And it's only if your immune system crashes that it actually takes over. So I don't know when I contracted it, but I know when my immune system crashed. Mm-hmm. And it was that point when I got the flu, that's when it started. And it just took over and, you know, there was no looking back at that point. So what I love about uh, your story, uh, what I know of it at this point, um, is is how you're trying to share your your story and, and share what you went through to get to this, to be able to, I assume, uh, take some steps to live somewhat productively and, and not have this just be a, a complete life suck. But I guess... The, the way that you're trying to overcome this adversity is is the thing that's inspirational to people. So talk about how, how this has sort of changed your professional life and, and what you do to not let this win every day. 
Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, like I mentioned, you know, I was reaching out to people on social media who were dealing with the similar things. And I was watching these people share their stories and I was utilizing them for a lot of, you know, emotional support for myself. And so when I made the decision to start sharing my story, it was more of like a almost like a pay it forward type situation, you know, where I was like all of these people, I wouldn't have been able to figure out what I did if they hadn't chosen to share their stories so publicly. Mm -hmm. So that really was my drive to being like, okay, well, I'm going to share mine because I want to be that person that somebody else can message on Instagram and be like, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I see that you deal with the similar things. I just, I really wanted to be that person and pay it forward for all those people that did it for me. And I actually changed, yeah, I completely changed my career because I was in construction and I took a month off of work in construction to focus solely on my health because things were really bad. So I took like a sabbatical type thing. And it was during that month of focusing fully on my health that I was like, I just don't think my heart's in construction anymore. I think my heart is with the medical field now. Mm -hmm. And it was also from seeing, you know, how screwed up the conventional medical system is and seeing how bad I had to struggle through that, that I really wanted to be any part of a change I could be for anyone going through this. So yeah, I left my construction job as soon as I had um, enough energy to start working part-time again. I started actually doing like mentoring online remotely for people who are struggling through chronic illness. And it's not just Lyme disease, it's anybody struggling through any chronic illness because, you know, they're all very similar in a lot of ways. And then I also now work at a local naturopathic clinic as well. So that's complete career change. I have a degree in construction, so (laughs) it was not expected, but (laughs) it worked out. Well, you're working on, you know, constructing human bodies in a certain fashion, right? You're putting them back together. Exactly. Um, You can look at it that way. (laughs) That's awesome. I've got a friend who has chronic Lyme and, and he was out of it for a couple of days once and he came back. And he described it to me as like when he has these bouts, he like, you know, he's like, you know, think of the worst hangover you had when you were in college. And then I was like, okay, got it. And Mm -hmm. then he's like, okay, times that by 10. And that's kind of what it feels like. How are you doing everything that you're doing with, you know, potentially feeling that crappy? Like, where are you getting your energy from? So I'm really... Like the fact that he described it like that, that's the number one way I describe it to people is that it feels like a hangover and the worst hangover you've ever had in your life, which you can imagine even having a drink on top of that makes it even a thousand times worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I do a lot of things to manage my illness, um, it does kind of come in phases. So I will go through, you know, a period of a month where I feel really, 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 really bad. And then maybe the next month it might not be as bad or even day to day and week to week. I really don't know. Um, but I think the best way I manage it now is I am a big advocate for B12 injections They might not work the same for everybody because everything works differently on everybody. But that is the number one thing I use to keep my energy levels up 
if I'm not taking those, then I can barely get out of bed. So I take those twice a week, and that gives me enough energy to at least, you know, make it through most of my day. I only work about five hours a day, which is, you know, part-time, and that's about all I can handle, not just because of energy, but because of brain. This illness creates a lot of neurological issues, and so it makes it really hard to concentrate for a long time. Um, but I also do IV infusions a lot. I don't know if you've heard of a Myers cocktail IV. I have. Yep. Yeah. So that's a really good one to use when you're going through any chronic illness, actually. I know a lot of people with chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia use that as well to kind of control pain and everything like that. Um, the biggest, like the, another two big game changers for me were, just number one, my diet. Before I got sick, I did. I knew nothing about eating healthy. I wouldn't say I ate terrible, but I definitely didn't realize how much your diet affects your just ability, your body's ability. So if I eat a crappy food now, then it can put me out for days. Wow. And it's kind of wild. And then the other thing... Uh, would be the infrared sauna. The infrared sauna has helped me detox like all of the mold out of my body. So now that the molds can like mainly, I think, I haven't retested, but I'd say it's probably mostly out of my body now because of using the infrared sauna like three times a week to oh. detox everything. And if I can stay consistent with all of those things, then I do pretty good. I was, when I was at my sickest, I did do um, oral antibiotics I pulsed them like crazy because that's what my Lyme doctor had me do. I couldn't tell you if that's the way to go or not. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a lot of conflicting data out there. Um, and I take like a million herbal supplements every day. So I got that going for me too. <laughs> Man, it's uh, you are the kind of people that we're hearing blanketed into this group of people with underlying conditions as, as we all try yeah. to adjust to whatever this hopefully temporary new normal is, but, but who knows, this yeah. could go on for months uh, or longer, who knows? Um, mm -hmm. So just to sort of bring this back to what is on the, the forefront of everyone's mind right now, the people that you were addressing in that initial post that, that caught my eye, what, I guess, what advice, what takeaways do you have for people that, that are just trying to adapt now to something that you've now been dealing with for years? How, how are you able to sort of stay sane, uh, in, in a world that's not necessarily very friendly, uh, because there's some virus out there that wants to, to take us all out. So this is probably going to sound pretty lame to most people because I know I didn't understand this concept at all when I first got sick, but honestly, the best thing to learn is patience. I had zero patience when I first got sick. I was, you know, every day hoping the next day I was going to wake up and be fine and things were going to be over and I was, you know, just going to be able to bounce right back. And that was the biggest thing that I had to learn is just be patient. There's only so much you can control. Do whatever you can to keep your mind at peace and to keep, for lack of a better word, your shit together. Mm -hmm. I don't know if yeah. I can swear on please, here. Yeah, but... Please, yeah, please, <laughs> yeah. Yep. But that, like, that's what I suggest to everybody. I mean, people are only on, some, most people are only on, like, day three of, 
you know, th- this whole thing, and they're already going a little bit insane. But you not being patient, I mean, you have no control over when this is going to end. You know, yeah. you just got to follow the rules. You got to play by the rules. Just ride it out. That's honestly my best advice to people. The other, the other thing with this, uh, and, and maybe the answer is the same. I don't know. The thing that that I'm noticing with myself, uh, my own stress level with this, uh, I'm not worried about getting sick. Uh, my my wife is somewhat uh, immunocompromised, so I'm moderately concerned about her. And she works in a in a healthcare environment, so it, that's mm. scary on its own. I've got young kids, as we've all seen by now. Young kids don't seem to be affected by this, although they can obviously be carriers. Uh, and, and I have, you know, elderly parents that are around us uh, a lot. So the, the illness itself uh, is not scary to me. I, I, I feel mm-hmm. like if any of us gets it, we're going to be fine. We're relatively healthy people that can pull through. But the, the fear and the uncertainty feels to me a lot like 9-11 did. Uh, I, I don't know where you come down politically, but when President Trump won the election, um, those are the, those are the two big ones in my life that, that I, that I remember being really scared and feeling like I can't stop, um, consuming information to be as prepared, uh, for what's happening as possible. Mm-hmm. And that is keeping me up at night so that I'm losing sleep, which is creating stress and all these things make you more vulnerable to get this sort of thing. So, yes. so the answer may be patience, but, but what do you say to somebody who is dealing with sort of the fear of the unknown and where we're going uh, to, to stay calm during this? I mean, I guess I did do really agree with you on the eerie feeling that this is bringing being a lot similar to those past two events, mm-hmm. for sure, because I felt the same way. But I do think that there is a limit that you should be spending on watching the news Mm -hmm. and flooding yourself with all of this information, I don't think that's going to help if you're constantly sitting in front of the TV and in front of the news trying to stay as up-to-date as you possibly can because that is only going to stress you out even more. Um, Similar to me, you know, I go to work. This is all I hear about is this coronavirus situation. That's That's all I'm dealing with. So when I get home, I just try to isolate myself a little bit and stay away from it i mean you we all have social media we're all going to hear you know the changes that are being made it's not i don't feel like it's as important to make sure that you're the first one that hears it <laughs> exactly no that's that's great well advice. said yes i really hope that this whole situation as terrible as it is and has terrible like as badly as i would never wish any of this upon anybody i do also hope that it is a wake-up call to everybody that we just need to spread more love and more compassion and have more empathy for everybody because you really you don't know what somebody's going through until you go through it and i think we're all seeing a lot of that situation right now all right our thanks again to healing jess you can find a link to her uh, primarily her Instagram account seems to be the thing that, uh, that she wants to share. So there's a link to that on our website, uh, the fitness.com. Um, I think, I think, uh, a challenge at this point is, uh, is adding insult to injury, uh, because we're all just trying to get by, you know, we're, yeah. we're trying to, trying to survive every day. Um, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bother to challenge you to eat better, to work out more to any of the things, because right now, 
just not having a panic attack is a win. So, um, <laughs> so what I, what I would like to do though, I would love if anyone is listening to this and, uh, and wants to share what they're going through. Did you wake up to a panic attack the other day? Did, what are, what is, what is this doing to your life? I would love to hear from people that, uh, are somehow having their lives altered by this, are scared, are celebrating whatever, whatever your situation might be. I would love to hear it. And you can reach us, uh, just go to the fitmess.com. There's all kinds of contact information, reach out on social media, uh, whatever works for you. We'd be happy to, to hear from you. So instead of a challenge, what is one thing that society at large is doing now that you hope sticks around after this whole thing goes away? I think it's multi-layered to be lame in my answer. And, and it's, it's valuing life over money. Uh, it's sort of the umbrella that it all funds, falls under. But the fact that so many businesses where employees have been asking for more remote work opportunities to be with their families and the answer was, oh, corporate policy can't do that. Well, you can. We're, we're proving it can be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, you know, we, when we waste how many hundreds of hours in traffic every year? Because, oh, well, driver's going to drive. What you going to do? Can't find a solution. Well, we found one. Let people work from home. Mm-hmm. And all, all of a sudden, you're not wasting time in a car for hours for no reason. Um, there's just, there's so many, there's so many things where the answer was no, because policy, no, because it's hard. No, Mm -hmm. because that's not, I want the answer to start being yes. And, and maybe you don't know how yes, but, but start, start with yes and try to find a way to make it work. And I, and I think that as more of us are able to spend more time with our families and be at home and, and create this better work life balance, I think that is going to be more possible. That is that is the one thing from this that I hope on the other side. I hope that's how society is different. Is that we we start with yes and then fill in the blanks instead of just no. Wow, that was pretty deep. Was it? I just I just made it up. I don't know. No, I'm kind of, was, I'm kind of a I dummy. Was, I don't know. I asked the question because I had an answer in mind and. I don't know if I want to follow it up now. Oh, was it was it more Snickers for everyone? No, it was just oh. the fact that I could probably get away with never shaking another human being's hand again <laughs> for the rest of my life. And you That's went a good all, one too. You went pretty deep on that. That's I like yours too, though. That's a good one. I like that. <sighs> oh God! So there is no challenge. There's no, no nothing going on there, but. We've all got lots of extra time now. We're all stuck at home and I'm going to do a shameless plug. And if there is anything that you want to implement in your life, like say meditation or working out or eating better or something along those lines, we have a whole bunch of episodes that cover all of those things. Well played. Yes. So go ahead, go back, take a listen to some of our older episodes. If you want to learn some new skills and, and focus on yourself during this time. There's there's like 30 of them. You know, there's tons of content that you can have, just gobble up. Have we babbled for that long? Yeah, we've got like 30 episodes. Damn. Yeah, yeah right. Nice. Uh, so yeah, so there we go. That's uh, I think that's where we'll wrap this one up. It's uh it's it's been weird talking to you from my basement. That I talk to you from my basement all the time, so it's no different for me. Okay. Well, I'm glad that uh there's some sense of normal in this for somebody then. 
Uh, with that, we're going to go. This has been The Fit Mess. You can find out more at thefitmess.com. All those episodes, subscribe on whatever device you like. They got the new Google Podcast app. There's the Apple Podcast. Oh, whatever you use. There's there's a way to get it, and uh, we hope you'll subscribe and that you'll listen. And, uh, you know, ratings and reviews aren't, aren't frowned upon either. So uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for supporting the show, and thanks for sharing this in any way you possibly can. We will be back in a couple of weeks at thefitmess.com. See everyone. We know this podcast is amazing and does not seem to lack anything, but we do need a legal disclaimer. Jeremy and Zach are not doctors. They do not play them on the internet, and even if they did play them on the internet, they would be really bad at it. Please consult your physician prior to implementing any changes that you heard on this podcast. The listener assumes that Jeremy and Zach do not know what they are talking about and that you will do your own research on the topics talked about on this podcast.